So I just got off the phone with my sister and I was joking around and I was like, um, you're calling me like I'm right about to record the Ask Anything podcast. I don't know if you realize what a big deal this is that you're like, you're, you're like, I'm talking to you from the studio, like kind of a big deal. And so she was like, oh gosh. And she made a joke back and she was like, but please don't say anything about the fact that, you know, we were talking like, don't, you don't have to mention that in your podcast. And so I have decided that she's right. I do not have to mention that at all. And so I will move forward with the podcast and I will not mention the fact that I was talking to Krista beforehand at all because I wouldn't, I would want to embarrass her. I'm her big brother, right? Like that's not something I would take joy in at all. And so no more, this is it. I'm not going to talk about it. You won't hear anything else about it for the rest of the podcast, guaranteed. Ask Anything podcast because some things are better said than read. My name is Peter LaRuffa and Happy New Year. Hope you had a blessed Christmas and New Year's uh, season and enjoyed time with friends and family, even as our family did as well. Enjoyed some really good downtime, uh, time playing games, and ultimately really, really rejoicing in the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we do around this time of year each and every year. And so, but excited to be back again after taking a break and excited to answer this question, which kind of comes from a uh, combination of different conversations that I've had over the last six weeks surrounding the concept of self-forgiveness. And so no one's asked me this directly, but if I put all those conversations together, I think I could sum it up this way. Is self-forgiveness biblical? And so we can answer it really quickly with just a yes or no. And so I can do that right up front. No, nowhere in the Bible do you see uh, the concept of self-forgiveness. You don't see a suggestion. You don't see a command. You don't see it alluded to in any way, shape, or form. We see lots about forgiveness, right? We see stuff about forgiveness from God. We see stuff about forgiving uh, others. We see stuff about being forgiven by others. But you'll never find uh, any type of biblical ink dedicated to the concept of self-forgiveness. And I think that's why people struggle with it so much is when they're uh, wanting to forgive themselves, they're like, how do I do it? How do I know if I have done it? Um, And it puts them in this position where they don't really have anywhere to look. Um, They certainly can't look into the Bible for that because they're not going to find it. And by the concept of self-forgiveness, you're kind of being the plaintiff and the defendant at the same time, right? Because you're uh, accusing yourself, but you, then you're also the accused. And so you, it, you're, you're, you're straddling both sides of the fence that I don't think you were created to, to straddle. You're the judge and the jury at the same time. And you're the one that's on the stand. You're wearing, you're wearing too many hats and it's not something that the Bible speaks about, but here's the thing. People who struggle with self-forgiveness, the struggle is real, right? There's a real struggle there But just, I wouldn't call it self-forgiveness or forgiveness of self. I think people who are struggling with this concept of self-forgiveness are really struggling with guilt, with regret, thinking back upon, uh, usually it's a sin that they obviously can't undo, but many times it's a sin which affected somebody else. And many times that sin, they view it as the effects that they had on that person was irreparable. Or because they can't go back and undo that, they can receive forgiveness from the other person, but they realize there's still a consequence that came as a result of that sin. And that consequence still exists. And therefore, as long as the consequence is there, they have trouble looking back on it and really feeling forgiven. And so therefore, they say they can't forgive themselves and they struggle with self-forgiveness. But in reality, it's not forgiveness of self. I would just say they're struggling with guilt 
And ultimately, I think what they're really struggling is believing that they are forgiven by God. And sometimes it could be something different. It may not be a specific sin that affects other people, although I do find that that's, um, there's a common denominator among people who struggle with self-forgiveness and the effects that it has on other people. Um, but sometimes it's just a sin that they themselves are struggling with but don't seem to have victory over. So they look at passages like Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, which talks about the need for us to put off the old man, to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, and to put on the new man, the, the, the person that we are in Christ Jesus. And they're really struggling and they're really battling, but they find that they really are not experiencing any ultimate victory and the struggle is real and so they're like maybe i'm not really putting it off maybe i'm not really repenting and therefore they have trouble forgiving themselves and what they're really struggling with there is the guilt over their sinful ways and maybe over the assurance of their salvation and so when i talk to people about this i really try my best to encourage them to really do one thing and one thing only because it's the only thing i know for them to do and that is this believe the gospel now, before you tune me out and you think, oh, gospel-centered, cross-centered, I'm tired of hearing that. That's just like the, you know, it's like the kitchen junk drawer of terms, right? You know, your kitchen junk drawer has like rubber band that you've found on the stem of a thing of broccoli and a can opener and a book of matches and twisties and stuff like that that you're like, if it just gets shoved in there. I realize that gospel-centered, cross-centered has kind of become that over the last, say, 10, 15, maybe even 20 years. And that's a shame. But I don't change what I've said. The person needs to ultimately believe the gospel and understand the forgiveness of God. You see, God sent his son into this world, which we just celebrated on Christmas, the birth of Christ, sent his son into this world with a purpose. And that purpose was to be born a sinless person. He was born the sinless God-man, fully God, fully man. And because he didn't have a human father, he did not inherit the sinful nature that you and I inherit from our earthly fathers and that we pass on through all of our progeny. And so he came into this world as a sinless human being, lived a sinless life, didn't have a sinful nature, made zero sinful choices, and therefore he qualified to die a perfect sacrifice on behalf of sinners like you and like me. Now, when he died on the cross, he paid the penalty for all of the sins of all who would believe in him fully. All of the sins, past, present, and future of everyone who would put their faith and trust in Christ Jesus. And so the guilt is gone. We don't stand guilty before the Lord anymore because of what Jesus has done. Not because of what you have done, but because of what Jesus has done. And so there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, as we read about in Romans chapter 8. But I mentioned before this concept of assurance of salvation, and I think that dovetails uh, well with what I'm saying, believing the gospel. Uh, and I want to direct your attention to some passages in 1 John uh, chapter 2. If you're struggling with self-forgiveness or know somebody who's struggling with self-forgiveness, I would encourage you or them to read the Word of God and take it for what it is. Read things like 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1, which says this, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Great. But he goes on. He says this, But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so you understand what he's saying there. The goal is to not sin, right? The goal is to not sin against others, not sin against God. 
But God has provided an advocate for us if, in fact, we do sin, and we will sin. We do fall short in thought, in word, in deed. There's things we do that we shouldn't do. There's things we don't do that we should do. That's what we read about the Apostle Paul talking about in Romans uh, chapter 7, towards the end of that chapter. But ultimately, he remembers that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And John tells us here that God has provided an advocate for us if in fact we do sin, and that advocate is none other than Jesus Christ, the righteous. We read on in verse 2, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Propitiation, that's a big word. It means that Jesus was a wrath-absorbing sacrifice, and so the anger that God has for sinners like you and like me, he took out on him and won't take it out on us. Jesus paid it all, and nothing do we owe. And that's really good news. Uh, consider elsewhere in Romans, uh, not Romans, First John chapter 4, uh, we read this in verse 10. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be, here it is again, the propitiation for our sins. And so God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, right? Romans 5, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and serves as the propitiation, the propitiatory sacrifice, the wrath-absorbing sacrifice for sinners like you and like me. And then when we realize that we have truly been forgiven by God, it's not hard for us to put our sins, or it shouldn't be hard for us to put our sins in the past, because God looks at us and says, I don't, I don't remember these sins against you. Now, it's not that God doesn't know the sins. He's omniscient. He always knows. He's never forgotten anything. Forgiveness is not forgetting. But God's forgiveness of us is his choice to not remember our sins against us and to look at us as having been forgiven, as our sins having been paid for because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross at Calvary. And I'll close by just reading this from 1 John chapter 1. It says this, If we say we have no sin, this is 1 John 1 and verse 8, If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now, the person struggling with self-forgiveness is not, they're like, I'm not saying I have no sin. I'm saying I have sinned. I'm fully acknowledging my sin. Great. Read this next verse. But if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the person who's struggling with self-forgiveness, they're like so close, right? So close to the hope and the joy that comes with the gospel because they're not saying they have no sin. They're saying, all I can think about is my sin. And so if they confess their sins to Almighty God, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, has paid for that sin. And just like the Bible says in 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, he'll forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so the reason you might struggle with self-forgiveness is because it's a concept you can't find in the Bible. You don't really know. How do you measure if you are really, if you've forgiven yourself, if you haven't forgiven yourself? And I would say, look to the word of God, look to Christ. Christ has given us a way to know if we've been forgiven, and that is if we believe in what he did on the cross for sinners like us, we have been forgiven. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I hope and pray if self-forgiveness is something you struggle with, you would look to the Lord 
you would believe the fact that he has truly forgiven all who would believe in him for all of their sins, past, present, and future. And you would enter this new year and the rest of your life seeking to walk in the freedom that we have in Christ because we have an advocate before the Father who is none other than Jesus Christ, the righteous. 